Hi there and welcome to this episode of Let's Talk All Things LGBTQ+. I'm your host Annie McKinnon. I'm your authentic coach, therapist, speaker, writer and podcaster. And if you'd like to check out more about me, then download the KS Media Group app from your app store and there you'll be able to also listen to podcasts, read articles, blogs and also join me every Wednesday for 10 Minutes Live. So today I'd like to welcome Jen Chow to the show. Jen will be talking about mastering a healthy relationship. So welcome Jen. Thank you so much. Great to have you on. You, as I said, are a relationship coach and you work specifically with couples in the LGBTQ plus community. Can you tell us a bit about what led you into that? I think a lot of times with coaching, you kind of get led into it because you've gone through something like that too. And so the reason why I got into this was because I was in my relationship and it was a disaster from the beginning. <laughs> okay, a disaster? Yeah, it was just, I don't know. I mean, there was so much love. Definitely it was love, but nothing we were doing was connecting. And just we were fighting after fighting after fighting. But there was something in me that kind of thought, you know, this is the person I know I want to be. She's got all the qualities that I was looking for that I had wanted when my ex didn't give me. But why is it just not, why are we not getting along? And so it got to a point where I think we were both really, really just emotionally exhausted. And we were living long distance, actually. But when she moved in with me, that was when everything kind of exploded. And then the pandemic started. And yeah, my partner had a breakdown. And it made me realize, I think at that point, you know, I really need to figure out, because I want to be with her. I know I want to be with her. I need to figure out a way. And so I started looking for help. I started, I went to therapy, I went to, you know, counseling, and then I found coaching. Therapy didn't really work because I, I live in Japan and they're very big on just giving medication. And I was like, I don't think this is something that I can solve with a pill. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's quite common in Japan, is it, that they will just prescribe medication? Yeah, unfortunately, the mental health industry in Japan is definitely not as advanced as it is in the West. So a lot of times it's still seen as it's a physical issue that, you know, just take some medicines and balance out your emotion, or balance out the hormones. And I mean, it helped because I was very angry in my relationship. I was very, very angry all the time. They gave me mood balancers, which kind of helps. But when you're in the middle of an argument, you don't go like, wait, just a moment. Let me take my pills. <laughs> yeah. Reality is something different, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, you're talking about your partner experienced a breakdown. And then I'm guessing the anxiety that that might have brought up in you as well, watching that happen in front of you. I think when that happened, I mean, it wasn't, I don't want to say it's just all my fault that the, the breakdown happened. She was having a lot of issues at work as well. In my mind, I was thinking, you know, I can fix her problems. I can help her. I can, I can do all this because, you know, I'm her partner. That's my job. And I think that put a lot of stress on myself as well. I gave myself a lot of stress there. And then a lot of expectations, a lot of unspoken expectations on her, which kind of led to, you know, a lot of, a lot of the emotional breakdown as well. So once I realized my role in that, I decided, you know, I can't fix her. I can fix myself though. So let's get to it. Isn't it interesting? I always think that people are led into roles 
you know, sort of based on their personalities. And when we come into the coaching world or counselling, therapy, then we're naturally givers, aren't we? And we give, mm-hmm. give, give. And I think that's a really mature approach that you took with your partner to stand back and say, okay, I understand this isn't all me, but Mm -hmm. I need to look at my part in this very brave thing to do. (laughs) I mean, I didn't know what else to do, basically. At that point, I just realized, you know, it it was either I, I mean, I was at my last, kind of the last resort. I got to fix myself. I have to fix myself. And well, not fix, I just have to understand myself at that time. This is what I do a lot in my coaching, teaching the people, what do you want in a relationship? And what are you able to give? And I kind of went in thinking I can get everything. I can, I can give everything to her. But that's not true. And it wasn't until I realized, oh, you know what? I can't really give this and this and this. But I can give this, this, this. It kind of gave us back this place to go back on. And then becoming me being able to understand that and asking her, well, what, what is it that you can give? What is it that we can work on? That actually put us at a very, it like kind of washed the slate again for us, like cleaned the slate up for us. And so that really helped. And you stayed together, I'm assuming. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. four years now, four or five years now. What's the difference now to what it was then? How does that translate day to day? What's different? Oh, it's been so different. And I I think um, once once I started seeing the results of all the work that we've been doing, the work that I've been doing, we stopped arguing. We used to argue almost daily. And I would, I think every week we'd have one big screaming match when someone's kicking someone out of the house and someone's throwing stuff around. Definitely have our arguments still. But now we've gotten to a point that it's very, very calm and there's no more screaming. But we used to scream a lot at each other and there were a lot of tears. And But now it really got to the point where like, okay, just give me a moment. I'm getting kind of, you know, I noticed that I'm getting really angry and my, I need to just, step away. So give me five minutes, I'll be back. And being able to communicate that is also something new because we weren't able to communicate that before. It was like, well, my partner tends to be one who kind of just walks off and I'm just the one who wants to like talk about it now. And so I'd like scream about it and she'd like walk off and try to close the door. I'm like, I'm trying to bash down the door. Now it's like, now, okay, you know, we have like, we have a keyword actually. We have a, a little, um, the code word. You don't ask questions, you don't say anything and just like five minutes, keyword i'll be back to let us know because i get really anxious when she walks Mm. off and so when she gives me that keyword i know she'll be back that's kind of like we've worked that out when we were not arguing like we we need to come up with the keyword because i this is what i need i need you to tell me you're going to come back you need me to tell you that i'm not going to come barging into the door it works both ways so that really worked for us and seeing it like that it sounds really simple to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm imagining how was that in real life? At first, we tried a lot of different things. The keyword thing didn't hit the first couple of times because I was anxious. And she's like, keyword, keyword. I'm like, wait, not yet right now. It does take a while. And I think a couple of times I realized it was only after I think I challenged myself. I was like, okay, I'm not going to push her with the keyword thing. She says that I'm not going to keep saying no because that's not what the keyword is for. After trying it once or twice and like really pushing myself to really listen to the keyword and realizing, oh, actually, you know what? The argument finished in like 10 minutes. While I, like before, if I didn't listen to the keyword and I just kept pushing, it would go hours. We used to argue for hours, like three hours, four hours, five hours. Those were long arguments that we used to have. 
but just trying it once or twice and like really it's discomforting right it's a new change and discomfort i mean change is, is discomforting but having really just sit with that discomfort once twice and realizing hey you know what it's so much better now and then you kind of just it's like building a new habit right it's always hardest to start can you remember how it felt for you the first time that that worked for you what did that feel like yeah when it first when i think both of us after the kind of 10 15 minute talk after the whole keyword thing we both sat and we're like oh my god what just happened <laughs> and i think we both said like you know what don't we usually argue? like this would have gone a lot longer because you would have said that and i would have said this and this is it i'm like yeah oh my god is this really it <laughs> is, is this really what we were looking for just like an understanding of what each other needed and that this keyword is kind of it, it just it's a catapult to to this it, it was it was amazing i think we just felt like this kind of oh, feeling i love that it also sounds like both of you uh had this light bulb going on this awareness if mm-hmm. we do this that this is what will happen and if we do that then we're going to be arguing for five hours and really who wants to be arguing for five hours right. so makes sense to stand back and and look at it doesn't it yeah, yeah. i think that the thing is it gave us a mutual understanding of each other my partner is Japanese and so, you know, our mother language is different. So there, there is definitely a little bit of misunderstanding sometimes. And a lot of times I think the thing with the keyword also is that it gives us a time to pause and actually listen to each other. Because sometimes, you know, she'll say something in English that in my words, I, I take it differently, but she wouldn't understand that I interpret it differently because of the language difference. And she does that the same with my Japanese. And so a lot of times, and, and I guess the keyword and just understanding that a lot of things get lost in our interpretations of each other. This doesn't have to be a language difference. It just has to be, we all have our own life experiences. The way we take what other people say, we interpret things that people don't probably actually don't mean. So it's just all about being very curious of what they actually mean and clarifying. I think that that was a big change as well. Yeah, because... As you say, we can make assumptions or interpret things differently. So breaking that down and actually saying what I heard there was, then Mm -hmm. that gives the other person the chance to say, well, actually, no, that wasn't what I was saying at all. Yeah. And that's what you found. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, when doing coaching has really helped because coaching is a lot of listening and understanding your own triggers and interpreting and assumptions. And it's really okay. This is what I hear and this is what I think you're trying to say, but I'm not sure. Do you mind kind of explaining? Just being very, very curious. And that's really helped because I realized that most of the time I interpret what she says in this negative way that she's judging me. But she's like, I'm not the, I'm not judging you at all. It's just, I don't know how to say it. And this is what I mean. I'm like, oh, okay. There we go. Saved us an hour or two of arguing. Or five. Yeah, or five, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that experience alone led you to find out more about coaching and work with other couples that Mm -hmm. are going through relationship struggles how do you find that when especially when a couple comes along for a session that are going through similar situation like you have because i imagine you might feel like saying well actually i've got the solution instead of doing this this is what you need to do so i'm curious about how you manage to put that aside and allow the couple to come through that process on their own yeah 
I think, well, first of all, I always tell them, you know, what works for me will, I'm not saying it's going to work for you because everybody's different. All yeah. the relationship like structure is, is different. And so I, you know, I can't really tell you what, you, what would work for you. And I think a lot of times it's just when you get two people together, they just want to be heard. And that's really working. What I do with a lot of my clients is just I work with them on how to be heard, how to listen and how to like listen without judgment. Because that's what happens a lot is that, you know, you have two of them and, and one of them is saying something and the other is like, I'm listening, I'm listening. Yeah, 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 I got it. Because I, I was that person. I would tell my partner, yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. But there's so much of my own internal interpretation, my judgment of what she's saying. So I'm not actually listening. It, it doesn't get, it gets filtered out with all, all my own interpretations. And so with that, I work with them and say, you know, I, we, we work on techniques on how to listen, just being very non-judgmental, being curious. Okay, did you understand that? Okay, what did you not understand? How would you ask this? Get really, really into like understanding what the other person is saying. And because basically arguments get cut short because all people want is to be heard and to just be accepted. They don't even have to understand because, you know, we'll never really truly understand, but accept that, okay, this is what you meant. I might not agree with it, but you're totally free to think what you want to think. And I love you. All right. Thank you for letting me know. And I'll do my best to like, you know, adjust with that. And that tends to be really like, it's not super, super hard after once they get it. Now, once they realize, oh, okay, you know what? I don't, it doesn't mean I need to agree with everything. It doesn't mean that, you know, I have to have the same thought as you. It just, I just need to give you space. And I just need to, because I think most of the time, that's what we just want, right? We just want to be heard. And half, that's half of the job done. When your partner says, okay, I understand. I got it. I accept it. Thank you for letting me know. It just keeps everything by the signs of it on a calm level where you're then able to communicate in a much more, I guess, productive way than you would yeah. otherwise or before, which sounds fantastic helping yeah. other couples in the, the same position. Jen, it sounds like these days all your communication and awareness is more on a conscious level than maybe a subconscious level, maybe like it was before. Exactly. I think for myself in my, in my situation, and I've heard of a lot of this with a lot of my clients as well, we get into relationships because that's, you know, we're, we're driven by this kind of passion. Ooh, I'm really attracted to this person. I really have fun with them. Of course, I'd, you know, let's, let's, let's see what, what happens. And it's great and all. And I think, you know, social media and, and, you know, media itself has kind of brainwashed us to this point. It's, it's got to be passionate. There's got to be like, you know, fireworks going on. And a lot of times we jump into relationships like that without just thinking about, you know, it's, it's supposed to just work. We, we have this idea of it's just going to work because you've got the love there. Before actually getting to know someone properly. Yeah. And I think, I think what you're saying is that we jump into those relationships because everything's fantastic. It's the buzz, it's the honeymoon period. And in, th in those cases, we're presenting that best part of ourselves, And then exactly. we get into actually getting to know someone and it can be a whole different story. And I think that's, you know, that was what had happened with me. And I mean, I was, we were um, long distance at the beginning. So there is such a limited view of what's going on outside. And of course, you know, when we start off a relationship, we only want, like you said, we want to show off the best part of ourselves. And 
well, I think most of us put on this mask of like who we think they who we think they want to sell ourselves, right? We want to be attracted. Uh, we want our partners to be attracted to us. So there is this kind of role that we play, and and there's the honeymoon period. And once that honeymoon period goes away, you're like, oh, I don't actually think I want to be with this. Or like we have nothing in common anymore. And why are we fighting so much? And that's why I think a lot of times like relationships don't work. It's very quick to like, okay, look for someone else or. You start having a lot of arguments, and I think that's when the big transformation needs to happen. Is kind of realizing, oh, okay, what? Either once you get into that point, then the transformation has to happen with you, or hopefully, what I try to do with my part with my clients is that we do this transformation before we get into a relationship, that we come off authentically and present ourselves authentically as who we are, and if you know, you will attract the people that you will attract, and they'll see all the. Quote unquote imperfections, or the you know, but they will want to be with you regardless、matter、when you、what. feel, yeah, no matter what. And going into a relationship like that, and being in a relationship where your partner knows exactly who you are, you know, the good and the bad, which I don't really think there's a bad, but you know, with all those things, and they're still very willing to be with you. That's when you know the relationship can thrive. It will go. You can overcome everything.、Mm-hmm. I think with my partner, that was what the honeymoon period. Was gone, and that's when the argument started. And in us, we both of us were just like, we know that we want to be with each other. We're just, you know, and we can accept the, you know, but not really. But what are we gonna do? And it got to a point where it's like, okay, now I just have to really realize, think, okay, what is it that I want, right? And and how how do I express that to my partner? Getting her to also be like, okay, what is it that she wants? So that really, really helps. I think when I was able to do that, when we were able to do that, the whole relationship just changed.、Mm. And so I really want a lot of my clients is to not have to go through that long <laughs> period of. I mean, we had like a year or two, a year and a half almost of just arguing, not knowing, and kind of just mushing around and trying to figure things out. I want my my I want my clients. I work with my clients to just kind of get rid of that one and a half year of misery. <laughs> So they can just jump to the greatness. You spoke about being your authentic selves, and that is something that is really important to me. So in day to day, it sounds like that is what both of you are striving for: just to be your authentic self, be who you are, be able to say anything to each other, and still come through that. We said earlier, no matter what, and still be together, which is、mm-hmm. really nice to hear. And I think it. That really changed. I think the moment I kind of took off the mask and I realized, you know what, screw it, because I've already screwed up the relationship to a point that my partner had an emotional breakdown. Being this superhero, putting on the superhero face that I thought she wanted, made her go into this emotional breakdown. Screw it. I'm just gonna be who I am because I can no longer carry on that burden of being quote unquote the Superman, the superhero in the relationship. And then. Once I was able to kind of take that off, like the burden itself was really, really great. Like, the, I mean, the burden taking off the burden was an amazing feeling. I'm really curious to hear what that feeling. What did that really feel like? It really, I mean, it physically felt like I was taking off a huge weight on my shoulders because it was. I was so stressed to the point I thought, you know, in my mind, I had to take care of her physical needs, her financial needs, her emotional needs. I had everything. Because she moved from her hometown to to where I was living, so she kind of gave up family, friends, workplace, everything, and I took all of that, and I was like, I gotta be, I have to be her work friends, I have to be her friend friends, I have to be her family, I have to 
provide everything. And it was so stressful. So once I realized, you know, once I kind of, I kind of, you know, had my own breakthrough was when I took that off and I was like, you know what, I'm only your partner and I really cannot be your family. I cannot provide for you like your, you know, your, your coworkers can. And I can't listen to all the work stuff. I don't understand. I don't work in the industry that you do. I'm not your friend because there are things that you tell your friends. You don't tell your partner. I am just your partner. And this is all I really can do. And I think that was really just, I felt pounds, like weight, just a lot of weight come off. Like, and I slept better. I wasn't as angry anymore. And I, I really felt the anger really fade, which was really interesting because I, there was a resentment because I, I didn't realize I was subconsciously resenting the fact that I had in my mind, I had to be this person because she expected me to. And I was able to actually talk to her about that. And she was like, I never expected you to be my family, friend, whatever. And I didn't want you to be because you can't be. And I was like, oh, okay, well, there we go. (laughs) So again, the self-awareness comes around about the expectations we put on ourselves, the pressure we put on ourselves and carry around that someone else has not even crossed their mind. Exactly. And that I think has been an amazing, it's been quite fun actually now. Like we talk about this a lot, just like, just in passing conversation. We talk about like, oh, you know, I thought that you wanted, she's like, oh, I never expected you to be this and that. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I used to really think that this was that. And she's like, oh, that's why you acted so nasty when you would think about that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it now. And and I couldn't understand that was where the miscommunication, lots of the miscommunication happened, right? And a lot of assumptions Mm-hmm. taking place between you from what you say because that resentment was building and building and building because you had assumed that you needed to take that responsibility for this other person for mm-hmm. whatever reason that might have been mm-hmm. so it's understandable that once you let that go then there was this feeling of relief and yeah and I think a lot of times with my clients as well it's that they have this underlying resentment and they don't know why and most of the time it's okay it's unexpressed you don't know how to talk about it with your partner and and, you know this expectation you gotta talk about it you gotta bring it up see what it is i mean because sometimes they're expecting something completely different and it's very easy for you to give that but what you're giving is something that they don't really want so yeah being able to have that conversation that communication that line of communication is really important with your clients when they come to you they're in this period i guess of arguing mm-hmm. and, and really not getting anywhere so you're mm-hmm. the fix if you like in their mind you're the fix they're coming along to you so that they can mend their own relationships so without giving away your secret sauce what work do you do with these couples to help them gain the understanding that of what you revealed to yourself when you really sat down and thought about it? There is something that I'm actually working on. It's a worksheet for the seven levels of love, actually. And really quickly and like just a very, like a little preview of it is that we have seven different levels of love. And for example, the first level of love is very victim-y. You're you're feeling like the victim. You're always blamed for things and you have no control over the relationship. So, and the second level is very conflict-oriented. You're very defensive and you're always seeing you're very suspicious of your partner what is she trying to say to me i have to really fight um and that's a level is 
quite, you know, you rationalize things. Oh, I think this, you settle for a lot. You know, I guess this is just what it is. Oh, I don't really need much more. And there's definitely, there's seven levels that I'll go into in my worksheet. And my, hopefully one day I'm going to make the workshop. What we do is we find which level you start at. And then it's not, there's no, there's no good and bad level. We all fluctuate between the different levels at different times. When we're stressed, we tend to be in this level. When we're not, when everything's going great, we tend to function on this level. And it's just really coming to that understanding of, okay, right now I'm in this level. Which level is it that I want to be in? And what are the ways that we have the techniques to get into that level? What level will actually help in this situation with my partner? Maybe being at a level one would be at best, but right now I'm at a level whatever, right? So kind of coming to that understanding and being aware of that really, I think, is what helps with my clients. And that's what we work on. And what's funny is that the way this level works, it kind of translates through all different areas of your life as well. So you can use this, this awareness of like, what level am I right now? I'm in a victim level. It also translates when, I, when I'm at work and there's some conflict going on at work. I tend to be at this level. And you can use it in every part of your life, which I think you know, is awesome. <laughs> I think. Oh, that sounds like a great tool for, for people to use. It sounds like you have your relationship worked out and you have those communication techniques, etc., in place and also with your clients. So what about if you weren't in a relationship right now and you were looking to date people? What do you think you would do differently than oh, you I, have in the past? Uh, well, <laughs> we're going back in the past. A lot of things I would probably do differently. <laughs> I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And I, you know, I was trying to date in Japan where um, the LGBTQ community is not as big as it is in, in you know western countries so that was kind of a, a challenge in itself putting myself out there and that was that was one big block for me was i was so scared to put myself out there i don't know how to meet people but you know i went out i met some people i had a couple of friends in the lgbt community i just hung on to them i was like please introduce me to someone <laughs> <laughs> so yes i so i went and i went out to you know bars i met a lot of people online one thing I would really do differently is not settle for whatever. Because it's, and I wrote a blog about this, and it's kind of, um, I relate it very closely to looking for a job, um, where you basically, once you start, like, at first, you're like, I'm so great, I've got all these opportunities, I've got all these skills, I'm definitely going to find a job, so I'm going to be really picky about what I want. I'm going to throw out my resume to the places, the, all the prime places that I want to work at. And when they don't call you back, you're like, okay. And you go to the second tier and you're like, all right, it's not that bad for, you know, choice number two. But, you know, after a while, you don't get any calls back. You're just like, okay, you know what? I just need a job. I don't care. Kind of like <laughs> the situation of dating. It's like, at first I thought, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm so cool. I'm like a foreigner in Japan. I can speak English, blah, blah, blah. And then when nothing happened, I was like, all right, it's okay. You know, for a while, I think it was, I, I was single for five years um, between my ex and, and my current and got to a point when I was like I don't care I just want to find anybody and that was a mess definitely had any standards and that was what I really realized was okay I needed I wanted someone who was you know emotionally available and at that time and and you know I had a couple more things that I, I wanted in a, in a partner a potential partner but I got to a point where like I really don't care as long as she was breathing was female and was fine that, that was good <laughs> I met a lot of really strange people and <laughs> 
and potentially, I mean, I, I didn't go forward with the relationship, but it could have gone to a point that I could have found myself, you know, months into a relationship with someone I had no chemistry with, no, no compatibility with. So definitely would have, you know, told myself, all right, just write a couple of things like the must haves and the would like to have. And I really had, I, I didn't have that at all. Definitely having that would be important. <laughs> you mentioned being emotionally available and I don't know what your experience is like but in the the UK for sure there seems to be a lot of people within the LGBTQ plus community that are not emotionally available Mm -hmm. I don't don't know if that's been your experience I think so I mean basically I think a lot of people in Japan are emotionally unaware Probably is probably more more a uh, better word to say that. I mean, not everybody, but I think it's such um, it's really hard to get them to talk about emotions and what that means and what they feel and how do they want to feel. It's it's just not talked about. Yeah. And so I really wanted someone who I could have conversations about, like the, my feelings and what is it emotion that you need me to do for you. But there was no language. I I felt like it was really really hard to talk about things like that. And so it was always our conversations. Oh, the dates that I went on were so boring. It was like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? <laughs> like, how long can I milk that for? You know, I'm done in the first the first dinner, like 30 minutes into dinner. So I think um, for me, that means someone who's very open to the feelings, understanding their own feelings, having having the words and the ability. They don't need to be able to like, explain it really well it's okay they don't have to be able to elaborate it as well but to be able to feel that and somehow try to like have somehow express it somehow have the a will to express it to their partner would be important for me and i think regardless what country you live in i think there's a big thing there about us being conditioned to not feel when we're growing up oh don't cry you know, what are you crying for? That doesn't hurt, you know, (laughs) in absolute pain. So we we become conditioned by other people that tell us we shouldn't feel, we should just get on with it. I think that's that's pretty standard across the world from what I've heard, you know, talking to my guests on this podcast. Finding someone that's going through that self-awareness journey and is able just to be transparent and open, you know, without that fear of being rejected or judged. Yeah, it really narrows narrows it down, doesn't it? When it yeah. comes to having a partner, when you think about it like that. Exactly. And I feel like what you just said kind of um, reminded me. We are in a very, we're in the LGBTQ community, mm. which has a lot of, extra things that I guess probably other people don't have. There's a lot of shame. I mean, I know for myself, you know, growing up, it was a lot of shame and trying to hide myself and not, it's the thing that just kind of ignoring the emotions because otherwise, I mean, I think I would have crumbled with the emotions and the fear and, you know, the, the shame and the guilt and whatever it was that I was feeling. So it was a defense mechanism at that age to like not feel anything, just fine. I don't cry. It's all good. Like, everything's fine with me, I'm okay, when really we're not. And yeah. I think a lot of times it's just we, we, aren't, we haven't learned or mastered the ability to actually feel. And so that's also one of the first steps that we have to take. But absolutely, you know, in that, all those feelings, those additional challenges, as yeah. I like to call them, 
an LGBTQ plus person, there are additional challenges around. And I'm just curious as to how you manage that or if you didn't manage it, did it come to a crisis point? <laughs> well, I ran halfway across the world to Japan as a way to kind of handle it. Like, you know, growing up in, back in those days, L the LGBTQ plus community was not as prominent as it is now. I had no role models. I had, I remember going to like the bookstore and trying to find something. And there was one small little section and there was, I was so scared to be seen looking at that section because it was so quiet. Nobody's talked about it. I've never seen anyone like me anywhere. And so it was very, very hush hush. You, you think know. you're the only one. Yeah, I definitely thought yeah. I was the only one. And, you know, especially, I guess, being of Asian ethnicity. That's also one kind of, I was lucky I wasn't really in like a super like religious, they weren't very homophobic, but it was just, it was so new of a thing. Like it just didn't exist. It was like aliens to them. And so it, I just thought I was this weird thing. I was like, well, what's wrong with me? And nobody else who looks like me was feeling what it was that I was feeling. And so I really felt alone. I really, really felt really alone here. And I was here until university. I, I left to, to Japan immediately after I graduated. But I remember going to university and that being away from, you know, the area that I was at. I, there wasn't LGBT like a, a club. And I was just so curious about it, but I was so scared. So I actually never went. But I had always, every day I would walk by that club and I'd be like, today is the day that I'm going to go in and find my people. <laughs> I was terrified. And I was not able to really get the guts until I just left or I just left to a country where I couldn't speak the language and no one knew who I was just to start new. And so that was kind of my journey in like kind of being away and I guess like reinventing myself, taking off the mask finally in Japan. And I was like, I'm in Japan. No one knows who I am. I wonder, you say reinventing. I wonder if it was more about really finding, yeah. yeah, revealing yeah. your true self, that authentic self that we spoke about earlier. Yeah, I, I yes, exactly. I think at that point, I was in a country where I'm already very different because I can speak English. So I was like, doesn't matter if I just add another label to me. <laughs> I'm already kind of like this other thing and it's fine, whatever. And so that gave me, I don't know why, but that gave me a lot of courage because I already knew I was seen differently. And so it didn't matter. But in the States, it's like I family's here, my history is here. I felt like I, I, I'd be judged, you know. That helped me kind of come to myself, like come out to myself and kind of really accept the fact that, you know, I am who I am and I feel comfortable. And then there came a point when I was, I got to a point where I, I need, I got so comfortable being who it was, who I was, that I wanted to really just come out to my family. And that was a terrifying situation. But in the end, it worked out really well. But yeah, I, I remember um, I was on a call with my mom and I was with my ex at that time and I was very happy and I was like, this is the woman I want to marry when I grow up, like, I mean, when, you know, someday. And then my mom mentioned something and then I, I, I just, suddenly it just came out and I told her and it was like tears, <laughs> just tears and tears and tears. And it wasn't, I think it was just tears of just that relief that I finally got the words out because I was holding on to so much fear for my, like, to, to come out to my family. I didn't know what would happen, but I was already living halfway around the world. I was like, yeah, you can't disown me now. <laughs> <laughs> because I've left. I've already gone. I've left. I've left. But it, it was a really hard situation and I would probably 
you know, if I could go back and do it again, I would probably do it in person. I did it on Skype. Um, I felt really bad after because I thought, you know, this is a conversation I probably, I should do it in person. But but yeah, I came out that day and then um, I didn't talk to my mom for a year almost. But, you know, she just surprised me. She called me a, a year after and she was like, you know what, I've, I've really thought about it. I really just realized that I just want you to be happy and as long as you're happy, it's fine. And without tears and tears of like joy and I was just so happy to hear that. And so, I mean, I'm glad, you know, it all worked out in the end. That's really good to hear and now you're visiting family. Yeah. 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 And my, my mom's all like, hey, is your partner coming? And I'm like, no, she's not. But it's, it's nice that my mom would, she'll ask. And they've met before and she likes her. So I'm glad. Really excited. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Yeah. And yeah, Jen, I think that's a wrap for today. Mm-hmm. So if you were to leave the listeners with any message at all, what would you, what would you say to them? I, I would tell everyone that you're not alone. You know, your relationship is not going to shams, whatever it feels like right now. There is definitely a way to work it out. And you just take it a day at a time. Get in touch with me. That is so lovely. So if listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? They can definitely visit my website at www.chowcoaching.com. C-H-O-W. Chowcoaching.com. I'm on Instagram under chow under under dash um coaching and i'm on facebook as well but website usually my website and my instagram is where you can get in touch with me well that's great if you want to send over those links jen i'll make sure i put them in the comment section so that people can just click on them and and get in touch with you yeah so uh, thank you so so much for being on the show thank you it was yeah. such a pleasure to be here and to be able to talk about this. I'm super excited, super excited yeah. to talk about things like this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure the listeners have, have really appreciated what you've said and you've been a great guest. So thank you so, you much. so much. Thank you. Thank you. So everyone, thank you very much for listening and tune in next Monday for the current episode. See you then. Thank you. Thank you.